Does anyone need an outline for the message tonight? If you need a copy of the outline, anybody? Everyone good to go? All right. Joe, is the internet working back there? It is? All right. So let's take our Bibles tonight to Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11. It's an important moment in the early church, and we've talked about these things at length over the past couple weeks, and for sake of review, I'm only going to review here for a minute. But if you remember, Peter goes, well, we'll start with Cornelius. Cornelius was praying to God, and he was seeking God. And God sent him an angel and basically told him that he needed to go and find Peter. And while Peter was in his, uh, while Peter was praying around noon, the Bible says he kind of, he fell into a trance of vision, and he sees a sheet. And in this sheet, there are all sorts of unclean animals that come down. And the Lord tells him, kill and eat. And we see right there that God is not a vegetarian. He's a meat eater. That, it says it right there. I'm, that's what the Bible says. And God told him, rise and eat, kill and eat. And Peter not so, Lord. That's unclean. I've never eaten. And God said, don't call unclean what I've told you to eat is the just way he says. And right when he wakes up, there are two men waiting there trying to seek him so he'll go to Cornelius' house. Last week, we looked at the conversion that took place there in Cornelius' house. And we've mentioned before and talked about the fact that the Jews didn't look very well on other people groups. They had their prejudices there. And may I just remind you tonight, I mentioned last week, we might look at a certain people group but I think as Christians today, we look at people with certain sins that we don't struggle with. And we wonder about, should they, the gospel's for everyone. And I've heard many say, well, well, they have a reprobate mind. And I think I told you last week, and I even mentioned it this morning, we aren't fruit inspectors. You give everyone the gospel. What happens with the gospel is between them and the Lord. You don't pick and choose who you give it to. You give it to everybody. All people need the gospel. So as we looked last week, these Cornelius' house is filled with the Spirit. They speak in tongues. We saw that. It was the first time that Gentiles had this had happened. It was a confirmation, a sign for those Jews that were there. And so Cornelius and his house get saved. Now we see in Acts chapter number 11, we see that Peter goes back to tell the Jews what has taken place. This is an important moment in the early church. Because if they were to say, you know what, Peter, that can't be. There are no way that those Gentiles got saved and we're not going that way. What would have happened to the early church? Just speaking and thinking here. We look at chapter number 11. We look at verse number 1. It says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. They contended with him. They were not completely thrilled about this. 
Got to understand, we look at this differently than what they did. You know, Peter, what are you doing? Is this what God wants us to do? And all to say, sometimes churches get carried away with things they shouldn't get carried away with. But they contend here a little bit. Let's keep on reading. It says, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. Whoa. He went in and ate with Gentiles. Big time sin right there, right? But Peter rehearsed, or Peter went over the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, and a certain vessel descended, as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice say unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in the house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them and on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus, what was I or who am I that I could withstand what God's trying to do is what he's saying there. Verse 18 is key. When they, the Jews that were there of the circumcision, heard these things, they held their peace. And glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. This is a very important moment for the early church. As we look at this, you'll see the fact that after this, Barnabas gets sent to Antioch, and we'll look at that, Lord willing, next week. But God had a job. For the early church. The Bible tells us here in this passage that those of the circumcision, the circumcision were members of the church there in Judea, of the they were the legalistic side of things. The word contend, do you see that word contend there? They contended with him. It literally means to separate oneself in a hostile spirit, to oppose to strive with dispute. Peter returns from a great thing that has happened. 
Hey, when people get saved, there is nothing greater in the world than when people get saved. And God opened up this door, and God worked on Peter's heart. God worked on Cornelius' heart, and Cornelius' house got saved. And I'm sure Peter was thrilled about it. And then he comes back to his church and to the people there. Wait a minute. It's a very important moment. God's ready to work. And what would the people's response be? We already read, and I thank God for the answer that we get in this passage. As we go through here, and I want to look at this passage, and may I just, you, you say, well, why does Peter need to re-say everything that we just read in chapter number 10? Well, first off, if God wants you to hear something once, he's only going to put in the Bible once. If God wants you to really pick up on something, he's going to repeat himself to you. And then when God repeats himself more than once or more than twice, you've got to really pay attention. Didn't Peter say right here, the Lord, three times? Yeah, Peter was a stubborn guy. It took a little longer for Peter. I think Peter and I would have been on the same boat right there. But as we, don't you laugh about that back there? My wife's sitting almost in the back tonight, and she's laughing when I talk about being a stubborn guy. The longer I'm married, the more stubborn I get. I wonder where that comes. They say, don't they say who you hang around rubs off on you after a while? But anyways, I'll leave that there. We look here, and we see that Peter tells them what takes place. God's repeating this for us because it's important. This is a defining moment for the early church, and we're going to take some time to look at this tonight. Number one, as we dive into our outline here, we see that Peter retells the dream. Peter retells the dream. And when we think about this, we see letter A, the fact that Peter sees the sheet of unclean creatures. The word trance means amazement, the state of one who either, um, it is basically, there's fear, wonder, and amazement. Some of you, when you go on a amusement park ride, might be like you're in a trance. That's the sort of thing, that's what that word means there. You know, we're getting ready for that youth conference. We're going to be going to flags. And some of these young people here, I don't know. Abigail, are you ready for the big roller coasters? Yeah, she's not ready for those big roller coasters. So that's good. You give me an excuse not to go on them. I'll make sure you're safe and let everyone else go. It's when, and how many of you, and I don't know, Gary, you're the one that amazes me. I go to Knott's Berry Farm, and I go on one or two rides, and I am done. You, you said your favorite silver bullet, right? Silver bullet? I go on that, and I'm sick the rest of the day, and I don't want to do anything else. My head's all messed up. I f- my head's all over the place. I feel terrible after going on silver bullet. And then I hear an 80-year-old goes on silver bullet and then goes on all these other rides and eats food in the midst of all that stuff too. I'm like, how does he do it? I want to grow, I want to grow up to be like him. Maybe it'll be different when I get to be that age, if I get to be that age. But for me... I think about the ride Goliath at Six Flags and the ticking going up. And you're sitting there thinking, why did I wait in a long line to do this? And tick, 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 tick. And five minutes later, you're still going up. And what goes up must come down. And then as soon as you get over that edge, amazement, fear, horror, all in the same moment. It's similar to what Peter's talking about right here. 
But I would much rather see unclean animals on a sheet than be on a high roller coaster, just saying. But I will probably go on a couple with them just so they can see their pastor's not too old yet and he can still do it. Might have to have someone else drive afterwards, but that might be. And um, as you look here and you see these things, we notice there, verse 4 through 6, he talks about these things. And he talks about that trance. He was in a trance. And then not only was he in a trance, but he saw a vision. A vision defined here is a sight divinely granted in a sleep or whatever the case may be. And I know we hear people today, I had a vision from God. I don't want to burst their bubble or anything. I don't believe you need to have an open vision from God when you have the written word complete. You have all that you need. I, you don't need any extra curriculum anymore. Peter didn't have the word like we do. Like I think the Bible, so let's just think about this one instance here. For example, God wanted Peter to preach the gospel to everyone. Well, Peter couldn't pick up the book and read all that because it hadn't happened to him yet. We can pick up the book and read this passage in Acts 10 and in Acts 11. See, God wants us to preach the gospel to everybody. You don't need a vision from God to know that. It's right there on the word right before your eyes. Peter goes through. He sees the sheet of unclean creatures there. And then letter B, we see the fact that Peter hears the Savior's voice. He hears the Lord talk to him. And you say, well, it says he heard a voice. He says to that voice, not so Lord, capital. And then the voice also tells him, what God hath cleansed, that call thou not common. So this is the Savior talking to him here. And as we see this, what does God instruct him to do? We see, first of all, number one, he's instructed to slay and eat. I would have said slay, barbecue, and eat. That would have been my way of doing it right there. Cook the meat first. That sounds good to me. They probably didn't have portable barbecue in those days or the Traegers like we are talking about today. But man, he tells them to slay and eat. We also see, number two, that Peter argues with God. And Peter's very good at arguing with God, isn't he? He does that quite often. And before we get too hard on Peter, don't we argue with God quite a bit? We do. But Peter argues with the Lord. And then we see, thirdly, that Peter's rebuked by God. What God hath cleansed, that call thou not common. Peter says, you see right there, this was repeated three times before he went up. And as we think on these things, Peter's telling them what God did and what took place. We see number two, Roman numeral number two, the fact that Peter received the messengers. It's no accident that he wakes up and that there are men waiting there. This was God's plan. The messengers, and what do the messengers do? Letter A, they requested Peter. Why did the messengers request Peter? Because that angel told Cornelius to send the men down to Peter. Now, something that I thought about as I was studying this passage and studying do you notice how an angel was sent to Cornelius, the unsaved? But God came to the saved person, Peter? Have you ever taken some time to think on that? Just a little thought there. Still chewing on it a little bit, but just something to think on there. 
And so we see that Peter gets in contact and he's going to go. And what does he do, letter B? He goes with the messengers. He goes with the messengers. Say, Pastor, this sounds like just what we talked about last week. It's identical to what we talked about last week. And then as Peter goes with the messengers, we saw, number one, the fact that the Holy Spirit prompted him to go. Verse number, it says there in verse number 12, it says, And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. How many times does the Spirit tell us to do something and we don't listen? I think it happens often in our lives. I'm sure Cornelius and his house were thankful that, the, that Peter listened to the Spirit of God. Do you know the Spirit of God knows who needs to be talked to and what we should do? May I give you a good reminder as you witness? Sometimes we get carried away in our witnessing and we act like we're used car salesmen trying to sell up Jesus. He doesn't need you to sell him up. He doesn't need you to make big promises for him. The Spirit of God draws men. And men must respond to the conviction of God, not your sales pitch. Don't forget that. That's why when we go witnessing, our prayer should be that the Spirit of God leads us and guides us. Because he will. But the Holy Spirit, he prompted Peter to go. And not only that, we see number two, the fact that the Holy Spirit prepared Cornelius to hear. Isn't that a wonderful thought to think about that fact? And to think about what God does and how it works. Look at verse 13 and 14. It says, And he showed us how he had seen an angel in the house which stood and said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Who shall tell thee words? whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. This is an unsaved man at this time. And the Spirit of God is working on him. Isn't that what salvation is? We are dead in our trespasses and sins. We walked according to the course of this world, all of these things, but God who's rich in mercy, he loved us, he quickens us, he makes us alive. But the fact that the Spirit of God can speak to a dead man just amazes me. And he speaks to Cornelius here and prepares him for what's going to take place. We see the fact that, number three, that Peter remembers the Holy Spirit's work. In verse 15 it says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Peter sees, think about this, When the Spirit came on them, the day of Pentecost, Peter's seeing the same exact same thing happen to them. Why do you think this needed to happen? We see letter A, and I skipped this because I was getting right into it. We see that Peter remembers the power of the Holy Spirit. While what the Holy Spirit did that day at Pentecost, he's doing it right now in Cornelius' house. It's the same power. That same power is at work right now. And he remembered how it had taken place. And this wasn't 120 in an upper room. This was just a family in a house. But this is what the Lord was doing. Not only does he remember the power, but he also remembers the promise 
of the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, the Bible tells us there, And then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he had said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. What was Peter referencing? Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. If you take your Bibles back there with me, just hold your place here. Jesus is about to ascend back up into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse number 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, this is not talking about, there's two different things here. This is not talking about the water baptism. John baptized with water. But we know as we study 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13 later on, and your Bible studies getting to those verses in there, chapter 12, verse 13, we know the fact that we're baptized into one body, one spirit. And when you get saved, we hear many Pentecostals out there refer to the baptism of the Spirit as a separate event by itself. But the baptism of the Spirit is the indwelling of the Spirit that takes place the moment of salvation. So why did it take some time in the book of Acts? I've told you before, don't get your church doctrine from the book of Acts. Hey, buddies, you're getting ready to start your church, and you already know this. You better know this. You should know this. You better, you're not, you better not get your doctrine on how a church doctrine should come from the book of Acts. You get it from Paul's epistles. Paul's epistles is the place to look. Because, if you get, because the book of Acts has a lot of great things that happen. But there are things, the first time, signs of things. Things happen a little differently there. Don't get, Pentecostals get their church doctrine from the book of Acts. Get your doctrine from Paul's epistles. And as we think on that we see the fact that God was working here and we see what's taking place. And then we see, lastly, number four tonight, we see Peter's conclusion. I love what Peter says here. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I, or who am I, that I could withstand what God's doing? And you know what I like? When they heard these things, they held their peace. I think that implies they might have had something they wanted to add in there. But can you argue if God does something, who are we to question God in the way he does it? There's really nothing you can say. They might have had something they wanted to say. But we don't like you preaching to those people. We don't like you doing this that way. Peter says, who am I to question what God's doing? I think it would do us all a great thing in our lives to remember that. can't question what God's doing when he's doing it. And it may not be the way you like it or what you want. But God's ways are always the best ways. Don't ever forget that. I know we look at this passage and basically we're just reviewing what was already said. I get that. But what if the early church 
wouldn't have heard these things, and they started arguing back and contending more and splitting off with Peter because Peter didn't do it just like they did it. Sounds like the typical Baptist church in 2023. You don't wear the same color tie I do, so you're not my friend. You sing a new worship song in your church, and we only sing old hymns. We contend over things that don't matter. We do. Let God work. God's got great plans in this place. I'm glad to be a part of those plans. I don't know what God's plan is in the future. All I know is, and I'll tell you, I've told you this in the past, Brian was very set and stuck in his ways. I was more old school than any other person in this room. And you might think you're more old school than me, but no. I'm, I might be a young guy, but I was the oldest fundamentalist guy in this room. Promise you that. My wife lived with me. I had my hair parted like this going to bed and my King James Bible in my arm every night. Not quite. Not quite. Almost. The Lord's been working on my heart, working on me, and I don't know what he's going to finish doing with me. But I had my ways. I thought I knew how I was going to pastor a church. I thought I had it all figured out. And God's completely changed it. If you were to ask me 12 years ago, starting a church and all that, how I was going to do everything, I had it all laid out. I'd give you it all, fig- let you see it all. Didn't work out that way. But I think God's doing a work. And he's working on me. I think the biggest person who's grown in 12 years of pastoring, I don't know if it's any of you, but he sure changed me. He's still got a lot of work to do on me. What I love about this passage is that Peter got it. He shared his heart and what the Lord was doing. They glorified God, and we see the Gentiles got saved, and we see the gospel continues. The most important thing that we do in this place is get the gospel out. We need to keep our doctrine right. We need to get the gospel out. And I would encourage you to do more in that area. When's the last time you picked up a gospel track and shared the good news of Jesus with anyone? What are we doing here? What's our job? To go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we can sit around and contend about paint colors in a building or this or that or every little thing around. But there are bigger things that matter. Souls getting saved. Lives being changed. And Peter tells them, I might not even like what God's doing and what God just did, but I can't question what he did. I saw it with my own eyes. And who am I to question God? They held their peace. They gave God the glory. And we see, we're going to see some missionary journeys that begin. We're going to see a lot of things the whole book of Acts changes. We don't hear a whole lot about Jerusalem anymore. Next chapter, we hear some persecution that takes place in Jerusalem. But most of Jerusalem isn't mentioned much anymore. It's all these places and Paul's missionary journeys begin. But do you see the book of Acts? It's, this is happening for a reason. It was all focused on Jerusalem. 
And then God used a man by the name of Saul to cause persecution and to spread the Christians out. And then that guy Saul gets saved. And once he gets saved, he's ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. I mean, Paul is a nut for Jesus. More than, and just as crazy as he was trying to put Christians in prison, he was just as crazy. But if you notice, the book of Acts leaves Paul alone for a little bit now. And when all the churches had rest, Peter started traveling around. And as Peter traveled around, the Spirit of God showed him some things. And Peter led some Gentiles to the Lord. And it changed the course of everything as we go through the book of Acts. I'm grateful that Peter listened to the Lord. I'm also grateful that the Lord wants to save non-Jews. Aren't you grateful for that? I'm grateful for that. And if you're a Jew and you're not grateful for that, then that you can feel however you want. I'm a Gentile and I'm grateful tonight. And a Jew would be the one. No, anyways, we'll leave that out. I'm grateful for salvation. Grateful that it was passed to us. But let's not be the ones that hold on to it. Let's get the gospel out. People need Jesus. This world is a terrible place, and it's only getting worse. And the only hope this world has is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you say, well, why in the world did Peter just repeat it? And why did you repeat it tonight? Because there must be a good reason to repeat it. Because it was in the Bible twice. It's because it's important to remember that God came to save sinners of whom I am chief. Isn't that what Paul said? He came to save all people. Doesn't matter who they are, what color their skin is, doesn't matter what sin they've done, he's come for all people. And that's what we need to remember. I believe this is a very important moment in the early church, and I'm grateful that they held their peace and that they let God do his thing. And that's my biggest prayer in this church is that we would just stay out of the way of God doing his thing. Let God do his thing. We lift him up. We magnify him. He'll take care of the rest. We do our part. He'll take care of it. And I don't want to mess anything up. If God wants something, that's what we need to want. And so we see this passage of Scripture, and there's such great truths that are there. And so we're going to have a word of prayer. I'm going to give you a couple of announcements. And you're like, Pastor, it is early. Don't, just relax. There's a reason why I'm done early tonight, and you're going to see in just a moment. So, Father...